Hello, everybody. Welcome to Clapper Cast. I'm your host, Carson Tamar, joined once again by Alina Falds and Paul Price. How is everyone doing today? I am at TIFF right now. I am overwhelmed. That's oh, my I love update. That. I love a little prediction of where you're going to be. That's cute. Uh, what did you I, see well, yesterday? I, I don't know what I saw yesterday. <laughs> we released this on Tuesday. What I don't yeah. know, Carson. Look at my schedule. I sent it to you. Well, if you go to oh. at Alina Falds on Twitter, hey. you can see. Hey, if if Monday worked out, I would have seen the whale knives out two in the sun. But I <laughs> you know the whale twice. <laughs> Brutal, <laughs> emotional. That. <laughs> anyway, we'll see. Finding out that that guy is fake is so much funnier. Like every single one of his starts with like brutal emotional or something else. But <laughs> and the fact that everyone's just like, wow, you can't talk about fat people like that. I'm like, he's making jokes. <laughs> Here's the attention you ordered. <laughs> I laughed at it. I like when he says it isn't just a movie. It's the best movie ever. <laughs> And by the time when this releases, Elena could genuinely think that. So, if I get to see it, who can say? Only Twitter, my Twitter followers will know. I'm sure I'll have tweeted Only. that I got to see the whale. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, when we get to the whale on our podcast review, you cannot say I look like Brennan <laughs> Fraser. I'm putting that out there now. You can't. I know you will. You can't say that. <laughs> can't do it. You know who looks like a thinner version than you, Carson? Brendan Fraser in the whale. <laughs> it's like it's the same person. Like that is body goals. Like work for that. <laughs> well, also you look like a gamer. <laughs> I look like a gamer, a gamer hobbit whale. <laughs> gamer hobbit whale. Isn't Carson taller than you? Yes, that's the most upsetting thing about Carson. Like, (laughs) it's just like really, it's like how my dogs have like, uh, they're two different heights, but the one with like the bigger energy is the smaller one. And you're like, this looks wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like Carson radiates short. How tall are you? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm only an inch shorter than you. Uh, We've we've gone over this on the pod. (laughs) Because you're always very upset. You're like, oh, for some reason, I always think you're taller. No, I'm like a little short boy. Um, like I'm like five ten, maybe five yeah. eleven, and you're like six four, right? No, I'm five eleven. Oh, <laughs> I'm five eleven on a good day. So like, we'll I'm see. Five, Dude, that's gonna be so weird if we meet up and you're like short. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally have to go to if I fast with like a couple hobbits. <laughs> well, <laughs> three little hobbits go. It's like going to Mordor. <laughs> Technically, Carson. Technically, in the Middle Earth world, I am I'm the same height as dwarfs. I'd be a dwarf. Thorn Oakenshield is so also funny. five two. And we stand and valid, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny. By now, no one remembers that Rings of Power is wait, on. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! I forgot to mention something from our Rings of Power conversation last week. Aren't like women dwarves supposed to be like really ugly and like have beards and stuff too like none of them were especially hot but like they weren't as ugly as i thought they were going to be and i was like this did i remember this wrong am i yeah, being no mean? everyone i, I they're mean, supposed to be uglier yeah they're supposed to be really ugly they're supposed to just look like the men and it's like a, a joke but obviously yeah. you can't you can't do that joke um so if you're not gonna make them that make them like 
hot as fuck. Like, either go way ugly or go way hot. No point. Because <laughs> here's the thing. Thorin, Oakenshield, Richard Armitage, very hot dwarf. Why? I literally don't know a single word you just said. He is the main Thorin dwarf in The Hobbit. He's played by Richard, Richard Armitage. Armitage. He's so fucking fine. Woof. <laughs> He um he does oh, the really um, chilly hot dwarfs. The rest of them are ugly, but I'm just saying. Um, Richard Armitage does the voice of um Wolverine in the radio series that you can listen to on podcasts. Um, which is funny because that just means that like this man just plays all the small people. <laughs> Wait, is Wolverine supposed to be short? Yes. Um, actually, that's that. one of the things that like fans really hated. Okay, so like. When we talk about this is about rings of power. So like, but when we talk about like fans being like, oh, they are mad about this. We have to go back a couple years when fans were throwing a fit because fucking um, Hugh Jackman wasn't five one, which is like canonically how tall Wolverine's supposed to be. Um, and then they also got mad and like livid when fucking. um Daniel Craig was cast as Bond and they were like, he's blonde. <laughs> like fans are insane. So like, I, I just find it really interesting when people are like, this is a new thing. I'm like, no, they've always been nuts. Fans are just the weirdest people. I mean, that's just what happens when your you know, entire personality is based on something like that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's my fun fact. I just always think about that. Like I always think of the blonde bond drama and you could probably like go find it on the internet and see like people like really upset about it. Like whole articles hand wringing, like, can we allow a blonde man to play a famous person? <laughs> yes, there's no good transition from that point. So thank you for going <laughs> that down funny. that rabbit hole. Well, you can cut it all out. I just like I, that was more like me One telling word. you guys. One word. Woof. And speaking of woof, today on Road to Halloween, we're talking Wait, about animal attacks. Why is that woof? I thought that was very interesting. Um, yeah, so we're talking about animal attacks. Um, this list was actually uh, suggested by Carson and was really hard for me because I got very confused, <laughs> if I'm 100% honest. And I went and looked at the birds, and Carson had already watched the birds. And for some reason, that's all I looked at before giving up on... Um, any movie that I'd seen for the most part. And I was like, I think Carson has seen all of the animal attacks movies to the point that on the podcast, I referenced that Carson had seen movies he had not seen because I just assumed because you'd seen the birds. Um, so we went with a different uh, to start out. We went with a different tippy hedron animal attacks movie. We went with the roar um, last week. I discussed um you know, uh, movies that feel like uh, eat your greens, kind of like eat your veggies kind of movies. That's like, was I enjoying it? Eh. But do I like watch this and be like, wow, this is so important for film? Uh, yes. Yeah. So like this film Roar, um, you don't have to know anything about the plot. It's not that particularly interesting. It's basically the story of the movie happening on screen. Like if Don't Worry Darling, literally had you know the uh, moments of the movie just happening out on screen okay so um it's about this nature preserve guy who has a bunch of big cats and other animals and decides to um 
keep them in his house. And that's the movie. That's literally the entire plot of the film. Um, But what's interesting about this movie is they used all real big cats. And there's multiple times throughout this movie where you're watching and you're like, that cat almost killed that actor. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's moments where like a character like turns and looks and it's like, Oh, the cat's a little too close and like slowly pushes the cat away. And the cat's just like, could I just eat you real quick? Could I just break your neck? And it's so weird. Um, it's so fascinating in that way. And there were legitimately moments, especially in the opening when I like hadn't gotten used to that, just being what was going to keep happening um, where I was like gasping. Uh, there's a couple moments where uh, he has like an assistant and the assistant's like pushing off the cats. And you're like, this man is losing control of the cats. And like, they're starting to surround him. Um, they break out into fights constantly and they just like react to it. Like, Oh yeah, the cats are like literally fighting. Um, curious what you thought though, Alina. I thought it was insane. Like, especially the opening credits. Like, the opening credits were, like, really giving these people are mentally ill. The people that made this movie are fucking crazy. Uh, my favorite one was since I screenshotted it because it was my favorite thing ever. Since the choice was made to use untrained animals, and since for the most part they chose to do as they wished, it's only fair they share the writing and directing credits. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Um... I also thought it was funny how they, like, introduced the animals, like, Gary as Gary. (laughs) I loved it. Robbie Um, as Gary's son, Robbie. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's just insane. Um, And then, like, the movie starts off insane because you're watching all of these, like, big cats attack these people. And you're like, what the fuck? Um, And then the novelty of it wears off very quickly. But... I had, like, fun for, like, the first 20 minutes of it, and then I got bored. But, like, also, I was very confused at first because, like, the movie just starts, and they're kind of just, like, reacting to the cats around them. They're not, like, explaining anything. And you see lions and stuff. You're like, okay, that makes sense. Because I thought they were in Africa. Um, Apparently, they're in California or something. Because yeah. all of a sudden, I didn't realize that they were in california until later but like i thought they were in africa because the opening credits there's like zebras and ostriches and shit so oh, it's like yeah. oh yeah they're in africa. one of the coolest parts is during all that um he like full-on races on a motorcycle um wasn't it a motorcycle uh races a um, Probably four-wheeler oh four-wheeler right he races a, a bull giraffe and i was like wait this is fucking incredible like Some of the coolest stuff happens in this movie in terms of just like watching animals get to be animals. Like I haven't spent that much time with uh, big cats. Um, If Carson uh, pops back on, I'm sure he'll talk about how much he has interacted with big cats. Um, Mm -hmm. It wasn't a negative. Hi, Carson. (laughs) Wait, no, it's not negative. Weird Um, part to me was out there in Africa, all of a sudden tigers and mountain lions and like jaguars start showing up and I was like, what the fuck is happening? How did all these <laughs> animals get here? And they don't explain it until much later. I was, yeah. I was confused. Uh, and some of the fights between these big cats who should not be together was wild. Like there's some things where you're like, <laughs> it also starts with the humane society was fine with this movie and you're like, were they? <laughs> um, but 
yeah, no, I'm curious what you thought about this, Carson. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. I think the story of this film behind the scenes, which I'm sure you've gone into, is like a million times better of anything like than this film actually is. Um, I don't know if it's because I've spent time with big cats. I worked at a zoo growing up, so I've like spent time with most of the animals in the film. So I don't know if it's like the mystique and the power of seeing like a tiger. It doesn't really have the same impact on me. So I don't know if that's why. But like, I think the plot is just very boring. I think the whole thing is just boring. Though like nothing will top the opening credits, which like, as you mentioned, the Humane Society. Then they also mentioned how like the animals are the directors and filmmakers also, which Letterboxd update your like cast list here and make them the directors also. Thank you. That literally says in the film that they are. Um, yeah, it didn't do much for me. I like the story of this. I like hearing about the film, but I don't think this is one like, oh, then you need to go watch the movie also. Yeah. Um, so there were 140 people on the film and 70 of them were injured. Um, Tippy Hedren uh, got a fractured leg um, from a, uh elephant. She got deep wounds to her scalp from being bitten by one of the untrained lions. Noel Marshall, who was the director, um, had so many bites at one point that he got gangrene. <laughs> like, um, what's so wild is you're watching it and you're like, at any moment, it's mostly impressive that the film like exists because um, at any moment it could have ended up being a snuff film. And like, that is so wild. Like, you know, we know that, it, that everyone's mostly fine by the end of it so it does take away that little bit but watching us and knowing that at any moment they would have had like a dead person on screen you know uh it's interesting they were just recently talking about um the footage of i don't know why this came up but the footage of steve Irwin dying and how they like have it and they like don't want to show anyone but they don't want to delete it um and then you know there's um the grizzly man, the documentary where they have the audio of the grizzly man getting eaten. And it's so interesting knowing about all those and like all these animals that just happen to kill someone. And like, we have the footage of it and it's like, it's wild that this isn't one of those stories <laughs> like that. They were like, yeah, no, Tippy Hedren fully got eaten. Um, <laughs> like she just got mauled to death by a bunch of tigers in this random movie she was in. Like we have the movie. And in that way, it's very fascinating. And I think, yeah, like, um, I've told a couple of my friends to go watch it and I'm like, just watch it until you're like bored and then click out. It doesn't matter at that point. But like for a little while, you're going to be like, oh, my God. <laughs> and I think that's really cool. I think they just got really lucky that they used animals that like were raised around people like animals from like zoos and circuses and shit like that. Like. Because this could have fully been a disaster. I like can't believe that everybody was just like okay with doing this in the 1980s because like you're putting all your cast and crew in danger and then you're putting all of the animals in danger also well that's like did any of the animals die no the animals were all fine the other thing that's That's weird um oh there is a scene where there was like some got injured in a flood and stuff oh Mm. um there was like some natural they like a flood delayed the project like two years yeah they like the ranch burned down or read that apparently got, the like, original script was titled lions lions and more lions which i think that's is such a dumb title <laughs> i love <laughs> it but it's um, true wait um you know what's also really funny about this film 
Um, there's a scene where one of the uh, animal actors is murdered, fake murdered, in the movie. And, like, its death scene was fantastic. I was watching, I was like, that was good acting from this tiger. <laughs> like, you watched it, like, react to the shot and, like, kind of, like, bend over. And I was like, uh... <laughs> like giving its last breaths and everything. I was like, yep, this is fantastic acting from an animal that does not know what's happening. Um, So yeah, I don't, I, I mean like definitely it's not a movie where I'm like, Oh, you've got to run out and see it. But like, if you've watched, if you want to watch some clips of it, I think you'll be like fascinated. I mean, it's all on YouTube for free. So honestly, I'm like, check out a little bit of it. Um, But it's interesting though, specifically you were talking about everyone being okay with it. Um, very famously, Tippy Hedren like talks about how awful the experience of working on the birds was, and she was getting fake birds thrown at her. And I just think it's very interesting that like later in her career after that, she was like, "No, no, no!" But I will get eaten alive on camera. That's okay. <laughs> it's just like it's such an interesting. I would love to know how all of that happened. Also, very surprised that this hasn't been made into like a, uh, you know. Um, little like mini series or something in terms of not the actual plot of the film, but like watching people discuss making this movie and like the creation of this movie, because it ends up like not being anything, which is so interesting. Like it didn't make any money. It just kind of like disappeared. And like, we only started bringing it up again recently because, you know, um, I would assume because, you know, the mystique of 70 people got, you know, brutally attacked while making this movie. There's a 42 minute film called Roar, the most dangerous film ever made. That seems to be a documentary. Wait, I want to watch that. I'd be so fascinated by that because I'm sure it has so many things that you're just like. (gasps) It's from 2017. It's directed by some guy named Rob Muriskin. Yeah, especially the Rise of Tiger King. I'm shocked like Netflix didn't do something like this. I'm sure it will happen. This is more insane than Tiger King for sure. Yeah, no, because like those were a bunch of crazy people, but there's only like six of them. This is like 140 people who all were like relatively well known in Hollywood. Like it's crazy. Do you want even more ClapperCast content? Yes, we have our weekly episodes, but you can get even more on Patreon. For as low as $1 a month, you can get exclusive commentary tracks and bonus reviews, as well as some more fun content. Yes, you can literally watch movies with us. Uh, Me and Alina have watched Sonic the Hedgehog. We have watched Murder Mystery. It is a ton of fun. You can literally watch a movie with us. And we also have bonus reviews. You want to hear our thoughts on Fresh. You want to hear our thoughts on everything, everywhere, all at once. These are reviews that you can only get on Patreon. It is at patreon.com slash clappercastpod. Again, for as low as $1 a month, you can get Clappercast shoutouts. You can even decide what we review. It is a ton of fun over there on Patreon. And if you are not there, honestly, you're kind of missing out. Be over there at patreon.com slash clappercastpod. What gets me is so many like came like would get like mauled by a lion and would be like on like in the hospital for months and then be like, okay, let's film more. Like I, you know, maybe it says something about me. I would quit as soon as someone mauled me. But who am I? You know, (laughs) I mean, if I got if I got mauled on the podcast, I'd be very upset. Oh, speaking of getting mauled, um, (laughs) just as a fun aside, I was watching this. 
at my house last night and my dogs would like start fighting um, whenever the lions would start fighting because I guess the just <laughs> sounds got them riled. And so like all of a sudden, like there's dogs doing the exact same thing that the lions are doing. And I was like, oh, cool. 40X movie. <laughs> I watched Aurora at work, like, at my restaurant job, to be clear, Um, and, like, in between customers, and, like, the girl that I was working with, she, like, half-watched it with me, and she got bored eventually, and then she was like, this movie is, like, only still a thing because of, like, how dangerous the production was, right? And I was like, yeah, you fucking nailed it, Sonia. (laughs) Yeah, no, it, also, the weird thing is, it's supposed to be a comedy, um, let's move to arachnophobia. Um, it's very interesting. So I mentioned this movie that I was going to watch it for the podcast to a bunch of my friends who were born in like the nineties and all of them were like, absolutely not, not arachnophobia. And it has such a mystique for being like the scariest movie. Um, and <laughs> it's interesting cause I don't know what you thought Alina, but, uh, it's not that scary. There's a couple jump scares, but like, that's not fear. That's more like, oof, loud noise and a jump at you thing. I'm curious what you thought. I ended up being fine. Like, I was really scared when it first started rolling. Like, I was watching it on my laptop screen. I was not even watching it on full screen. And I was like, sat back really far away from my MacBook because I was like, scared but I had like prepared myself I knew like obviously I'm gonna be seeing some freaking disgusting horrifying demonic spiders it's I'm just gonna have to live with it I'll just cover my eyes um and like the first couple spider bits were really scary when they're in the jungle and like Venezuela uh when that fucking tarantula bitch jumps at the screen oh my god my uh, why my watch just vibrated and I like jumped a little bit there like even talking about spiders makes me anxious um but yeah when the when the tarantula like jumped at the screen that really freaked me out because the main reason I'm afraid of like tarantulas is because when I was little my family used to take us to like the Toronto Zoo all the time and in the South American pavilion there's a bird eating tarantula and it is literally the most disgusting thing ever and at that point I was in grade like one I had no fear so I was like looking at it like really close up at the glass case and it jumped at me and it was so scary thank god it was behind glass because this tarantula would have jumped on my fucking face um which is not like the most traumatic spider story but ever since then I have not liked them I don't even like killing them but now that I live alone I like have no choice and it's literally the most traumatizing thing I would need to kill spiders but arachnophobia itself fine I actually had a lot of fun with it it was kind of like it was like they kind of have like this little mystery trying to figure out what's killing all these people before they realize that it's spiders. I love a little mystery moment. Um, and like when the spiders just kind of like started like crawling. It, it was fun. Like if this was lizards, I would have had a better time with it. The, you can make this movie with any other creature. The fact that it's spiders is what makes it actually scary. Um, it's okay. funny that you mention uh, lizards because I was about to say um my jumped at the um jumped at you at a zoo moment was with a blue tongue skink and um what's weird about that yeah they're so cute but like um so (laughs) i like knew people at the zoo um the dallas zoo and um 
a fucking blue tongue skink jumped at me. Full on like landed on the screen. Freaked me out. But then I was like, oh, that's cute. Next time I came, he did it again. And the people at the zoo remembered and they were like, you're the same kid who and they go. He has not done that. Since. Oh, my God. Carson, no. there's this one British wrestler named William Regal that has a bunch of like pet reptiles and he always posts them. And he has this one that is really adorable and I'm trying to find it. We'll send it Wait, to I'm you. obsessed with his name it. being William Regal. Yeah, that's not his real the name. British bring him William out? Regal. He Does has he bring him out with him. He or... has yes, he has like a tegu. Oh, I love a tegu. Like, They're yeah, huge. You like can red. walk them on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he calls it our Tommy. Aw, you can train them to like do tricks. They're like dogs. Yeah, um. I freaking love it. I want one. I would never own one. I'm not capable okay, well, of looking after rept- reptiles, but well, I love it. What was I saying about? Oh, the blue uh, you king. the blue tongue skink. Yeah. So it. Uh, so the next time I went, it uh, jumped at me again, and they were like, "Wait, are you the same kid who?" And I was like, "Yeah." And they were like, "That's so weird because he hasn't done that before, and he hasn't done that, you know." And I guess he never did it since. But um, it's such a funny thing to like um, <laughs> that these animals do get attached. Um, but yeah, no, um, arachnophobia was not scary overall. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what I was very surprised about, um, so the opening, it's a full-blooded of the evil um, spider, um, which is from um, South America, I believe. Yeah, it's from Venezuela. Oh, yeah. Okay, so um, it's full power, and it was like when they show the body that came from that, I was like, oh, this is going to be a really gross movie i'm not excited about this and then all the other ones just give people heart attacks <laughs> it was like oh okay i can handle a heart attack um like and they'd show like a messed up toe and they're like look and i was like yeah it's a it's a toe i mean it's gross but like <laughs> it's not as terrifying as i was expecting um but yeah uh the only thing that was really funny about it was i had to go to the bathroom in the middle of it and uh <laughs> i was like in the middle of this movie, right before I had to go, got up, this guy sits down and almost gets bit in the ass by a um, spider. And I was like, mm, I don't know. Maybe I'll just save until the end of this movie because I, I really can't do <laughs> So that's my truth about that movie. Um, so, yeah, it does work. It's just not as scary. I do believe that it, in the 90s, it was probably the scariest movie of all time, though. Do we know who's involved in the remake of this that's apparently coming out? I'm not going to watch Wan. that. Oh, uh, no, I'm And good. it's Juan, and it's the director is um, supposed to be the guy from uh, Happy Death Day. <gasps> yeah, I'll skip that one. Yeah, no, it's like, I'm excited about the remake in that I think it'll be a lot scarier, but I also am curious. I feel like that's one of those movies that, like, has to go to Hulu type thing. <laughs> like, I can't imagine, like, people being like, yes, I'm going to go see this movie about scary spiders. Um I just uh, it's one of those that I think I would walk out on. Um, but I, I, I probably will see it um, when we have to talk about it on the pod. I'll be very excited. 
See, I'm afraid of spiders, everyone. This is why I didn't watch Arachnophobia. Paul was like, you've seen every other Animal Attacks film, so there's no possible way we could do anything but Arachnophobia. <laughs> and I said no. So Arach- uh, The thing about Arachnophobia... Yeah, uh, the thing about Arachnophobia that like really is like, there's Jaws for the generation before me, and then my generation was like, the thing we were scared of was... <laughs> um arachnophobia like I, I remember like seeing clips of this movie and being like absolutely not under no circumstance especially in the finale um mm. <laughs> there's i there's was covering some... my eyes for most of that but yeah okay. the finale is I made terrifying it mm-hmm. also <laughs> i really liked the characters in this jeff daniels yeah was great i liked him and, john, and then goodman. john goodman appears from time to time and he was fucking hilarious as the exterminator um it was fun like i would watch this again if it was like lizards i would never i'm not watching this again because of spiders but it was a good <laughs> film okay? i love I the idea fun. that there would just be lizards going around oh, there's poison frogs okay they could have redone this movie what's frogophobia i would watch that <laughs> But it yeah, is I'm never weird, putting though. myself through this again, but I it did like the film. It is weird though that um this didn't spawn off like 30 sequels. Uh it just feels like a movie that would this would be like this is the first one, but like there's nine of them in the series. Nope, this is it. Um there's an episode of Supernatural when they get attacked by killer bears. <laughs> just Every Halloween episode, I will try and connect it to an episode of Supernatural. Also in season one. Just like Scarecrow from last week, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and then that moves us on to our last film in the um, horror series, uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf. Um, so a little flashback to um, Child Paul. Um, my dad put this on, and the opening scene happens with the, uh, the, the maiden. And I fully remember screaming my lungs out. And I was like, Mm-mm, nope, 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 nope. Dad had to turn it off. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm a big boy now. And I watched it. Still terrifying when I was a kid. I was probably like 14 at this point. Um, and yeah, no. Um, th- over time, I've grown to really love this movie. I think it's such a fascinating film because, um, you know, I, I wrote in our group chat. I was like, this feels like something that should be like a classic novel. But it's not. It's just the movie, which is so weird. Like, just the the romance and the way it like kind of lingers and the twists in it. Um, it's also pretty similar in its overall plotting to uh, Sleepy Hollow. Weirdly, um, in terms of like a guy coming out to go deal with the problem in the small town and like him thinking the wrong people are involved. And it's um, I love this, Elena. I'm very curious what you thought. I did like it but I really struggled with the slowness of it. And it's one of those movies where I'm just like, I wish I had watched this in a theater against my will when I was not distracted by anything else. Because listen, with foreign films, I will 100% pay attention to them. But with French films, since I can understand French, my brain lets me like, like linger, like, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Float away a little bit because I know what they're saying still. Um, I just thought this was freaking long. It opened very strong. And then 
I think they get to like a brothel and I like looked at the time and I was like, oh my God, we're only an hour in. What the fuck else is going to happen? It takes a very long time to get where it's going. And then I came back to the film after like a bit of a chunk and I had fun with it. I really liked the characters. The main French guy with the big nose, i he's kind of like ugly in a hot way. I liked him. And I also <laughs> liked that there was like, I, I thought it was fun that this is like a, like a movie from like the early 2000s and like they're in like 19th, 18th century France and they have like, uh, and they're in, they're in France and they have like, like uh, native people, like I think the, I forgot his name. The guy is Mohawk or something. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, Manny. I was like, that's cool. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, no. So, uh, it's a cool film. I would rewatch it in a movie theater. Yeah, it, that's what I, need. I do think. <laughs> um, so, like, when I watched this the first time, I watched it at my parents, and they had um, a projector screen, and it was like a nine foot projector screen. Um, so, like, when I, like, the first time I watched it, I probably did watch it in a movie theater kind of setting. I would love to see this in a movie theater. It's kind of getting a renaissance recently um, where people are like, wait, this movie Fox. Um, and I, I also they think they did a the- 4k version of this at the, and they played it at Cannes this year. Yeah, they did. Well, it's wait, now just so- becoming relevant because it's now available for the first time ever. <laughs> like even a year ago, I was trying to watch this for my 2001, like personal retrospective I was doing. And the only way I could watch this thing was get the Korean Blu-ray. Like it was on any streaming service, anything to rent or buy. And thank God now Shutter really came through and like just made it available everywhere. But like there was a time where you had to get the Korean Blu-ray to watch this in America. Like, yeah. Um, which is so weird, um, because it, it, it's a lot of fun, but, um, I, I, it's funny because I feel like a lot of people who discuss this movie talk about the things that I find kind of like corny. Um, like they love the, a lot of the martial arts stuff and I'm like, that's fun. Uh, A little silly. Sometimes, uh, they talk about the boob mountain, which is aggressively funny, but also like is tacky um you know for me i just really love the um i just think the mystery is really cool um you know i don't want to spoil it but like i think the ending of um basically what's happening in this film and like reveals about the wolf are all super fucking cool i think the design of the wolf is cool um specifically the second maiden death which happens about halfway through the film i think is one of the scariest scenes ever um because like you know what's coming it feels like jaws to me in that you know what's coming and yet it still shocks you because it comes at a time that just feels wrong like um in terms of like where your pacing is which is so scary and so fun um but yeah no i definitely get when people say it's a slower film i've watched this film probably like nine times um and so like even the parts where i like get mentally bored I'm like, oh, I know what's coming, though. So I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I think I echo Alina a lot here. I wish I could see this in theater. I saw this twice now. This was my rewatch. And like, it has moments that fuck. That one death when you get a really great close up of the wolf. Incredible. The tension. I mean, you mentioned Jaws. So this is your Jaws. I think there's some like very direct inspiration, especially in the beginning, like from Jaws and how you build tension with a monster. 
I think it works really well. Having the fucking chairman from Iron Chef America out here doing badassery, <laughs> that was great for me. As someone who loves Iron Chef America, that really fit my soul. Um, it is long, though, and it's just like it, you need to be in the right mood for a movie like this. So I think when you're not in the right mood, it can feel a little bit drawn out and a little bit too... Yeah, I thought I was in the right mood for it when I watched it earlier this afternoon. And then I saw it was two and a half hours. I was like, I'm just not ready for a two and a half hour movie. No. Yeah, I know. that's <laughs> uh, And that's what's kind of hard with this podcast is like, you know, recommending a movie for someone that will be like, okay, I'll wait until I'm in the perfect mood uh, to watch it. And then like, we're like, you have four days. Choose what four, which one of these four days you're going to be in the right mood. And I know there's a bunch of movies that I've had to watch where I'm just like, I think I would have loved this in a different world. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no. Um, if you're in the right mood, definitely watch Brotherhood of the Wolf. Also, Monica Bellucci is so hot in this movie. Um, there's so many moments where I'm like, man, she's like, I get why she was like the 90s sex symbol. Um, also there's a death that she, uh, does later in the movie of murder that I'm like, that was amazing. That's like what I like every time I forget it happens, it's going to happen. And when it happens, I'm like, yes, so good. (laughs) Well, I think that is going to do it for our road to Halloween this week. Paul, do you want to quickly hype what we're going to do next week? Next week, we're doing, uh, found footage and we're going to talk about, hell house llc um which has been showing up on twitter a lot recently i think it was trending earlier this week um which is crazy and then also behind the mask the rise of leslie vernon which is a very fascinating movie to discuss because uh, <laughs> it sets up a sequel that to this day has never come out and like doesn't need it but it's just like it's part of like the the thing of it um, but both are really fun movies. Um, you know, we always put caveats in for like when you should watch move these movies and stuff. These two, you can just like toss on. They're super fun. Um, Hell House is super scary. Um, and then let, uh, behind the mask is a little more of a comedy. So uh, it'll be a it'll be a great time to talk. So it's a bit of a lesbian vampire killers into gay werewolf hunters type of a situation yes. where we're all waiting exactly. for the sequel. Got it. Um, yeah, no, but they, this both of these are um, really fun. Um, both recent for me. I actually watched both of these um, for Hooptober last year um, and was super into both of them. And I was like, yep. Uh, when we discussed we wanted to do found footage, I was like, oh, I know the two. Great. Well, that's going to be next week. Let's end today with a new movie review for Disney Plus's Pinocchio. Yeah, I got to see the new Pinocchio, and this is a movie that's being torn apart. I mean, people are absolutely being ruthless to this film, which is a bit sad because I don't think it necessarily deserves all the hate. I'm not going to say this is like a great film or anything, um, but I think it's rather innocent in its shortcomings. So like first, maybe it's just because I had such low expectations. You know, so many of these Disney live action remakes have just been terrible. I mean, I'm looking at Aladdin. I'm looking at Dumbo. You know, these are some truly horrendous films. Um, And then you mix that with Robert Zemeckis, who, yes, has made some incredible films, um, but that was decades ago. His recent work 
has been absolutely terrible. So all signs pointed to this being a disaster. And I think like in its actual adaptation, it's not that terrible. I think visually especially, mainly because they use the designs of the animated feature rather than making everything as realistic as possible, um, which would be more similar to the Pinocchio we got, I want to say in 2020, the one that competed for like best makeup or best visual effects or whatever at the Oscars. Um, it's the classic Pinocchio design and where yes it is sometimes off-putting maybe that's just my trauma with the Child's Play franchise as a child um, it, you know it, it sheds that pretty quickly and I think visually you know there are some small changes such as the whale at the end but like I think the changes are okay I think visually this movie is fine um, especially the Pleasure Island I cannot believe people are not giving this film credit at least for the pleas at least for the Pleasure Island segment. Um, with Luke Evans there randomly like performing his heart out. That entire sequence is one of the most visually stunning sequences of the year. And then you get the fucking like dark turn. Um, which if you've not seen the original, spoiler warning, um, but the kids get turned into donkeys and sold to the salt mines. And I thought for sure they were going to like remove that or change that because there's no like happy ending. There's no like um, everyone turns out okay. Pinocchio escapes and the boys are still just like sold to the salt mines. Um, and it's terrifying in the original animation. But to see a real live human boy slowly get turned into a donkey as he is just pleading for someone to save his life and his like voice is being muffled and turned into a donkey's cry i mean it will genuinely cause nightmares for kids i mean it was fucking scary um but i mean that in the best of ways that sequence was fantastic but the rest of the story is where like the shortcomings the shortcomings of the film is um and it's not really this film's fault. Like, yes, it's an adaptation. It can change stuff. But Pinocchio has one of the weakest narratives of any Disney project. I mean, it's basically a series of vignettes with no real strong conclusion. Like, it really feels like it was supposed to be like a four-part series of like 20-minute episodes. And then they just squished it all together. It doesn't work in the animated version. And here it doesn't work either. I mean, it's disjointed. It runs long. It's unsatisfying. The one difference is that at least in the original, you have some more charm with the animation. You have some more charm with like the cat and the fish that Pinocchio live with. Um, I'm forgetting their names. But like those characters are basically completely removed here. Um, so I like the issues of the story while yes, they plague this film, they really go back to the original. So I can't like, but I, I just don't get why they didn't change it. If you have like the balls to really put some change to like the jungle book and beauty and the beast, which I don't know why people say beauty and the beast is just an exact remake. Like in the new beauty and the beast, they literally time travel or like they teleport to like Paris or whatever. Like that's not in the animated version. Um, but I just don't get why you would change those films and then not change the structure and backbone of Pinocchio, considering that is easily the weakest point. Um, really confusing stuff. The last bit I'll say is Tom Hanks needs to be stopped. I defended him in Elvis. 
I think it's a little hard to defend him here, where he's not terrible. He gives Geppetto, like, he really plays into the desperation and almost, like, the patheticness, in a way, of this character, who is so lonely that he just, like, sorrowfully just wants a child so badly. And it's almost uncomfortable at times. Like, a lot of the charm of Geppetto, he's always been this tragic character, in a sense, um, but he used to have, like, a charm. He had such a strong personality, and I really don't think Hanks brings that to the role. Um, so where, where overall, like, I don't think the film is great, and I think it does have issues to where it's arguably worse than the animated version, like, this is a story that is inherently flawed, and until you change, like, fundamentally how this story operates, it's just not going to work that well. Now watch me eat my words later this year with, um, Guillermo del Toro's version. Um, but yeah, I just find it really hard to fully fault this film and say it's a disaster. Because I think even though it's not great, like, I would not recommend you watch this personally. I think it's one of the more respectable Disney live-action remakes. I mean, compare this to, like, what they did with The Lion King, or as I mentioned, like, Aladdin, uh, Dumbo. You know, there's been so many painful remakes that it's kind of... Mulan, you know, it's hard to be like, oh, this is terrible. Really outside of, like, Cinderella, The Jungle Book... And, like, I would kind of argue Beauty and the Beast. I know that's a very divisive film. Um, I think, like, the rest... Or, and Lady and the Tramp, I also thought that was fine. See, there's, like, some good ones. Cruella was good, but that was more of, like, a... Re and that wasn't, like, a live-action remake. That was just, like, a new thing. Um, most of them are terrible. But, like, in a terrible in a way where, like, I don't respect them as films. I don't respect Aladdin. I don't respect Dumbo. Um, I don't respect those movies. I at least can respect the efforts put into Pinocchio. And that's, like, a step ahead, I guess, if you really want to play, like, that game. It's something. So those were my thoughts on Disney Plus's Pinocchio. Paul, you got to see a movie this week, Low Life. How did you enjoy that one? And what is Low Life? Low Life is about a um, YouTuber who tries to do the um, Chris Hansen style, like, you know, uh catching a pedophile catching a predator kind of thing and he goes a little too hard and a little too focused on himself um and he decides to one-up it and invite the um you know the abuser to his house and bad things ensue and what's weird about this movie is everyone sucks so bad like in, in a way that the movie wants you to, like, notice and, like, it's not uh, a mistake by the director. But everyone sucks so bad that you're watching it and you're like, I don't want any of you to have good lives after this. <laughs> like, no one involved in this film is, like, a good person. Um, but it's a very um, interesting film. I think it's, like... 105 minutes and i feel like it could have done better as like an 80 minute i know that that's like not technical movie length usually but like it just feels like it goes on a little too long for the the storyline um some of the acting is a little poor but overall like it, i don't know if you guys have ever watched movies like this um where you watch a film and you go oh i want to see what they do next like it immediately felt like that um i think this is like really fun to watch i think it'll be a great calling card it's dark. It's like one of the darkest movies I've ever seen in terms of its subject matter. Um, but uh, I think uh, 
I think the people involved could do some really cool stuff. Um, specifically the guy who plays the lead, um, Wes Dunlap, um, I think is really great. Um, I think he could do some really cool stuff, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I watched it kind of like not knowing what to expect. I try not to watch trailers when I get screeners. Um, and yeah, I had a, I had a good time. Um, but yeah, very dark. Like I, I, you have to be a hundred percent just like ready for like depths of, you know, human depravity kind of thing. Um, but yeah, really interesting film. Good to hear. Good to hear. So that's going to do it for this episode of Clappercast. Where can we find everyone on social media? Paul at price like tag on Twitter, Instagram and letterboxd Alina. I am at Alina Folds on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And you can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews. Letterboxd just Carson Tamar. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and supporting the show. If you want to write us an email, you can email us at clappercast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at clapperpodcast. You can also connect to us there. If you'd like to financially support the show for as little as $1 a month, you can go to our, our Patreon Uh, We have commentary tracks, we have exclusive movie reviews, a ton of great stuff you can get over there. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss all things cinema. Goodbye.